Okay, so what's the deal? God offers the Jewish people the Torah. They say, Na'asevanishma. We will do, and then we will listen. Like, they're really into it. And then God takes a mountain and puts it over their heads and says, you better take this. Like, seriously, man? We just said we would take it. What's that all about? Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey, Consciously, it's Menachem Poznanski. Welcome back. Okay, uh, let's do a Shavuos episode. But first, I want to remind you to please subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you take your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google all those places. Um, then you'll get notifications that the podcast is launching a new episode. And also it helps with the algorithms to let more people know about the episode. But the most powerful way to spread the word about this podcast is to share it with people who you think would benefit from it. It's not for everybody, but I'm sure there's some people. So do that, share it with them. It's a great honor and a privilege to try to put out some good material for good people. Also a reminder about our social media pages, Consciously62 and The Light Revealed on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we're just wrapping up an amazing project on The Light Revealed, which was like a series of posts on a daily basis about Sphira's Omer. It's never too late to get there. We kind of looked at each of the 49 attributes, one aspect of them as they relate to whatever I was feeling at that time. Because uh, one of the things I learned from doing that effort is that it's really a personal thing. There's 49 fundamental attributes, but those are expressed through a human being on any given day. Um, and also a prayer. And I think it's great. I really enjoyed doing it and uh, it's been getting some great response. So I invite you to jump into that and look, take a look at that. As always, uh, Intentional Jew Podcasting Network, intentionaljew.com, and uh, Consciously Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Your Creator, Jewish Bookstores, Amazon, all that good stuff. Okay, so I wanted to do a Shuas episode. At first, I was going to be very intense and do something about, you know, what does that mean? Torah. And that's A, well beyond my pay grade, but also like very intense. So then I was learning with some guys. Uh, we learned together in the morning and we learned this remarkable idea um, actually from based on the teachings of the Bavitcher Rebbe about Matan Torah, about the receiving of the Torah and the whole episode that occurred there. And I alluded to it in the opening. So for those of you who are not kind of not familiar, there's kind of four stages to how God gives the Jewish people the Torah. The first one is the offer, right? He makes the offer. He offers the Torah to them, and they accept the Torah, except they accept the Torah through a very, very interesting language. They say, Na'asevanishma, we will do, and then we will listen, which reflects a very deep level of surrender, because it's saying that no matter what you tell me, I'm going to do it. Now, if you could please let me know what you'd like me to do. Then the sages describe that God took a mountain, and he was kafalim harkigigis. He placed a mountain literally over their heads and said, you better take this. Like he put a gun against their head. He said, you're going to take this no matter what. And that seems very intense and very weird because we just said we would take it, but also why force us? You know, that's like, seems very overwhelming. Um, and then, the, and then Chazal, the sages describe something else. They say that in the, in the Megillah, actually, about a thousand years later, there's a pasuk that says, Kimu v'kiblu ha-yehudim, which is explicitly talking about the fact that the Jewish people accepted the idea of the Purim holiday. But the sages teach us that this alludes to the fact that the Jewish people had somehow accepted the Torah on a more permanent and full level. That, that 
and specifically because because they had been forced at Harsinai with Kafale Amarakigigis. He had, you know, God had held the mountain over our heads. The receiving of the Torah or the acceptance of the yoke of living the spiritual path of Torah was incomplete. It was missing. And that when it came to Purim, that was the ending of the process. So what does that all mean? And how does that relate to our lives? And actually it relates to an interesting idea about the third step and the 12 steps. So I'm just gonna kind of jump back there because I, I found it really, really fascinating. I don't think it just even relates to the third step of the 12 steps. I actually think it relates to really any spiritual effort that we take, but also to like just life. So here's the idea. So when we engage a spiritual process, there's always an offer. There's an opportunity to engage the process that offer is made by God. It's first of all, really, really important for us to recognize and to realize that God is offering us an opportunity. Sometimes we'd prefer not to have the opportunity because we're, you know, comfortable in our lives. And then he offers us an opportunity, usually through something that's somewhat uncomfortable, but the offer is there. And it's important to kind of affirm that. And that means that God loves us and he believes in us and he wants to give us an opportunity to do something good, to help somebody, to do something meaningful, to transform ourselves, to elevate ourselves beyond where we are, maybe to become something immeasurably greater than we ever thought we could be. But next, there's a two-part process as relates. And the Jewish people did a remarkable thing. They said, na'asev anishma. And now na'asev anishma implies two different things. One, the na'asev means I'm like a servant. I'm like a, I accept the yoke of my master. I accept what God, the instruction that God is giving to me. I am willing to do it no matter what. I'm willing to do it. It doesn't matter whether it makes sense to me. It doesn't matter whether I like it but rather I'm doing it because someone who I care deeply about or someone who I admire or that which I acknowledge to be my higher power has asked me and invited me to do so, so I do it. And this is a, a wonderful level of surrender because it's the kind of surrender, the kind of acceptance of a yoke that says, I don't, it's, I'm not, it's not about me. It's not about me and my opinions. Very meaningful, very surrendered, a great reduction of the ego. On the other hand, if I'm really into it, and this is the Nishma side, that's where like, I am totally bought into this process. I see the vision of the individual that's charged me or given me the opportunity to participate or of my higher power. I see the value. I'm motivated by the opportunity to be of service to others. It feels good for me. I'm totally in it in a total and complete way. Now that's amazing and that's wonderful and that's really meaningful and there's a great and lofty level of that surrender. But the problem is, is my ego is a little more engaged than it was in the first. I have an opinion. I like this. I want to do this. I love you, higher power. I am so grateful for the privilege to serve you and to serve your good. It's still kind of about me. So what the Jewish people did is they said, we're going to put the Nasa before the Nishma. Of course, we want to be invested in the process. Of course, we want to, the, the relationship is critical and our investment in your vision and our ownership of your vision. And we want to know, and we want to understand, and we want to be passionate about your mission, God. But first and foremost, we're going to, we're going to surrender to you. Now you would think that that would be enough, but really, if you think about it subtly, even the first guy, since he acknowledges the power of his higher power, since he he admires the individual, even he doesn't understand why they're asking him to do what they're, what they're asking him to do, but nonetheless, he admires them. So therefore, there's still that shemetz, that small amount of ego. There's, a, there's an I in this surrender, even for the first guy. So what the Lubavitcher Rebbe explains remarkably, 
is that that's why God adds this kafalem har kigigis. That's why he puts the mountain over their head, to include in the relationship the part where we don't have a choice. It's not about whether I want to. It's not about whether I like it. I have to. Now, what's missing from that? If that's the case, if na'asev anishma was finalized and concretized and completely actualized by the kafa aleim harkiyiyas, by putting the mountain over their heads, that they had all three parts of that surrender, what was the final stage that was missing that was then fulfilled in the time of the Purim story, Amkimu Vakiblu? And that is, they were happy about the fact that they were forced. You see, because when a person is forced into that relationship and they don't have a total choice, there's a certain measure of completeness, wholeness, sustainability to the relationship. You know, like in a marriage relationship, it's nice that I make a commitment to my spouse. And that's amazing. And that generates tremendous love. And then it's nice if I make myself vulnerable. It's nice that I even like, let's say, set aside my own desires for hers, my own will for hers. And that develops and, and fosters a great sense of relationship and bonding. And that's wonderful. But one of the really powerful things that happens when you get married is that you share bank accounts. You have children together. You build a life together. You're stuck together. It's not easy to get out. Now, obviously, there's a mechanism for divorce in, in horrible, terrible situations that are abusive or completely intolerable in the sense that it's imposing upon the other person. But we're really locked in. Without being locked in, you don't really get the sense of vulnerability and the connectedness that comes about through that relationship. So that's kind of what was going on. There was the Nasa, there was the Nishma, there was, will you marry me? There was the, I do. Will you marry this one? I take you, I take you. Amazing. But now we're kind of forced. We got bank accounts together. We built a life together. We bought a home together. We're kind of stuck together. Even if we were to separate, we still have the same kids. So we're always stuck together. That stuckness actually creates tremendous vulnerability in relationship. And that's the significance of the kafalem harkigigis, of this imagery of God holding the mountain over the Jewish people's heads. So again, what's missing? Now what's missing is this. If I'm in the relationship and I'm buying the house together and I have the accounts together because it makes sense, but I resent it, then there's vulnerability and there's connectedness and I want to be in the relationship. But there's a part of the relationship that's annoying. There's a part of relationship I haven't fully embraced. But when I recognize that the way in which we are vulnerable to one another on a functional level is the biggest gift in the world, now I'm in it all the way. I like the fact that I'm forced to be here. I like the fact that it's not easy for me to leave. I want to not be able to leave easily because that makes the relationship safe. That means I'm really, really in it. And so is she. We're in this all the way. That's the significance of the Kimu Vakiblu, which on a historical level is because we were now going to be living as the Jewish people post the first temple era, right? In a post-prophetic um, society, right? Without all the miracles of the first temple, it would even be Jews living outside the land of Israel. And the question was, was our relationship with God going to be permanent on a historical plane? And the answer was yes. He was into us and we were into him. Even though it wasn't this idyllic honeymoon phase of the first temple era, if you could call it that, but it was permanent. It was real. It was 500 or so years of quasi-exile and then 2,000 years of abject exile. Strong. So how does that relate to step three? So this is what I was thinking. You know, oftentimes 
we end up in a circumstance where we're like broken. There's nothing going on. And this is not exclusive to recovery, but it does relate to recovery. But I think it relates to anybody's, you know, sometimes we're down to nothing and we sense that God's up to something and he invites us into a relationship. And that's amazing. Maybe we surrender to his will. We make an effort to change ourselves. And that's wonderful. And there's tremendous motivation that's generated through that. But then as things start to get better, there's a new opportunity to have the relationship from a different place. There's a new opportunity to have the relationship from a place of, I want to be here. I want to aspire to grow spiritually. I'm not only growing spiritually or developing myself because I have to, because my pants are on fire. I'm growing spiritually because yes, my pants were on fire before. And I was tapped into a light of spirituality and gratitude and acceptance and all these amazing things. And now I want to have spirituality in my life. That's amazing. But the message here is that we should never let go of the surrender that emerges out of the powerlessness and unmanageability that are in our lives that still exists. That what happens oftentimes in a recovery process is that, you know, I've addressed certain aspects of my life. So many aspects of my life have maybe become manageable. Measures of powerlessness have been reduced. And therefore in those areas, I have the opportunity to practice my relationship with my higher power, my relationship with God, my spiritual disciplines, because I want to. And in addition to that, there are those areas now that I have some measure of power in my life where I, there are things that I should do. It's the right thing to do, you know, especially now that I'm kind of an upstanding human being, it's the right thing for me to do. I don't necessarily want to, but I know that I should. It's the right thing. But yet our relationship with God is much more than that. Our relationship with God also extends to the areas that we haven't yet achieved mastery. And that's okay. I've done some things, but I haven't done everything. So there's always a, a measure of powerlessness and a manageability in my life. There's always areas where I need God's help, moments, times during the day or episodes in my life where I need God's help. And in those areas, it's not because I want to, and it's not because I should, it's because I have to. And that's how we engage the process of constantly turning our will and life over to the care of God. In some areas, because we want to, in some areas, because we should, and in some areas, because we have to. But now here's the real kicker. The beautiful part of this is that the ultimate space is where we realize the power of the spirituality of imperfection. When we realize that God made it, so that growth happens gradually, and there's always areas where we'll need him. The bank accounts are always intertwined. We own the house together. We're partners in my personal journey of spiritual development and growth, in the fulfillment of my mission of channeling his light into this world, this world in the veil of darkness of my life, channeling his light into that space because he wants me to and because I need to. So our relationship has a measure of permanence. I'm not going anywhere, and neither are you. Even though we're not living in the first temple era of prophecy, divine revelation, miracles occurring openly on a day-to-day -day basis. It's just regular the mill stuff. Jew living in exile, trying to do the best I can, live imperfectly as best I can on any given day. And I'm staying, and so is he. And that's the most beautiful thing of all. And that's the Kabbalah Satur that we receive on Shavuot. That's what we receive on Shavuot. That's the energy that we're receiving. We're not receiving the first part, only the, the offer of the Nasa Vanishma, and not only the Kafalim Harkigigis, but even the Kibu Vakiblu of Purim. Here we are, wherever we are in the world, in exile, we're receiving that light of an unconditional, permanent relationship with our higher power who loves us and wants us on this journey of perfect imperfection and imperfect perfection, making our best effort to be our best self one day at a time. Receiving the capacity to do that 
the energy that we'll need for the rest of the year to show up in that way on that one night of the first night of Shavuot. So good luck. Enjoy the ride. I'll see you on the other side. Kotsamech. Thanks for listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of the Living Group, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tzipporah Basravaron. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnansky. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcast. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback, so please feel free to email or on our Instagram and Facebook pages. <laughs>